I love this time of year. I love it for a lot of reasons. I love it because it's chilly season. Amen? I love it for that reason. I, I like white chicken chili. Some people don't like that, but I like that a lot. I like apple pie and ice cream, and it seems like that you get a lot of apple pie in the fall of the year. Man, I tell you, I enjoy that kind of thing. I like campfires. I like being outside and having the fire burning and just being able to enjoy the weather. I just like fall. When I was a kid growing up in that little farm community that I grew up in, fall was always a time of great celebration because they had brought in the harvest and they were living every day in the harvest that God had given them. Sometimes we forget that we live and walk in the harvest that God has brought into our lives. And when we get to this time of the year, it's time for us to celebrate what God has done. You know, those farmers that I grew up with, they were always working. They worked all four seasons. They never stopped. But when they came to this time of the year, they would stop for a little while and and thank God for the harvest that they were experiencing. And as we come into this time of the year, we always look toward Thanksgiving, and, and sometimes we get stuck on the turkey and the dressing and the things like that, and I love all that. But the primary reason that Thanksgiving is significant for people of God is because of the celebration that comes along with it. And so today and next week and the week after that, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about our mindset. How many of you know that you will only be as victorious as your mind allows you to be? Because if you're always thinking about other things and you're always dwelling on the negative, then you can't be in victory and you can't be uh, in a place where you can celebrate what God has done for you. So today I want to talk to you about being positive. How, how many of you like positive people? Can I see your hands today? How, how many of you don't like to be around negative Nellies? Can I see your hand? How many of you are a negative Nellie? Yeah, <laughs> put your hands down. How many of you are a doubting Dan today? Can I see your hands? You know... Uh, not nearly as many people want to be a negative Nelly or a doubting Dan. We want to be people of faith and people of celebration. We want to be people who are happy and joyful and positive. Don't we want that? That's what I want for my life. Now, can I tell you that this is one of the areas of my life that I've struggled with through the years? I remember when we had first got married, we were on staff at a church in Texas years ago, and I came home after a rough day of ministry, and I sat down in our little uh, chair that we had there in the house we were living in, and I started belly aching about this and belly aching about that and struggling about this and struggling about that. And my wife, being the, the kind-hearted wife that she is, she just said, why don't you just go ahead and kill yourself? And I looked at her like, are you serious? And she said, yeah. She said, I'm tired of hearing it. She said, you go to the office all day, and you, you come home, and you throw all that junk off on me. And she said, if that's what life with you is going to be like, she said, end it now. <laughs> now, of course, she was not being serious with me, but the, the point that she was making was valid. 
We can choose to either live in a spirit of negativity or we can choose to be positive people. And I want to encourage you today to be positive people. Now I'm going to use several different uh, verses of Scripture today rather than starting with the text. We're going, to, we're going to look at several. But I have five things, excuse me, four things that I want to share with you quickly this morning about how uh, positivity relates to our lives. Are you ready to go? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that you will capture our hearts and our minds today. Don't let anything distract from what you want to say to us this morning because I believe that you have a significant word that you're going to release through me this morning to your people so that our lives can be blessed and because of your word, be better. So I ask you for it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, I'm ringing just a little bit. I like, I like the fact that I can hear myself today, and when church is over, I'll kiss you. I promise I will, because that helps, but I am ringing just a tad bit. All right, here's the first thing that we need to understand about being positive. All right, number one, <clears throat> you must choose to be positive. <clears throat> you must decide that I am not going to be a negative Nelly. I'm not going to be a doubting Dan. I'm just not going to live my life like that. I have the ability through Christ to choose how I'm going to live. How many of you know that God has given all of us a free will? We can choose how we're going to live every day. We get up in the morning and maybe we've got an ache or a pain or a, uh, you know, something on our mind that, is, that we're struggling with. And we have to choose that day how we're going to process the information around that. <clears throat> and we have the ability through Christ to choose to be positive. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It should be on the screen. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, Choose life. Look at your neighbor and say, choose life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now he's saying that we have the opportunity to choose life. We have the opportunity to live in such a way that not only will our life be positive, but how many of you know that you have the ability to, to affect and impact your family? You can get up in the mornings and be positive, and it will rub off on your husband or rub off on your wife. It will rub off on your children, because if you choose life, it tends to trickle down to everyone who is in your household, to everyone who is in your family. How many of you know that you can impact your neighbor by being positive? How many of you know that you can impact the place where you work just by walking in and being positive? People will look at you and they'll say, I'm glad they're here today. This place is gloomy when they're not here. Can I just say that this church building is gloomy when you're not here? 
But when the people of God gather together, I'm telling you, it changes the atmosphere. Because people come in, and they don't just drag in and say, Man, I wish I'd have stayed home today. I wish I'd have just not come. I wish this, I wish that. No, but when people come to the house of God here at Spirit Life, they come in that back door, and they're smiling, and they're laughing, and they're cackling, and they're talking to one another, and they're sharing about the good things that God has done. And let me tell you, it is good to have people in the house of God who are excited about the things that God has done and is doing. And the other way I know that you love to come is because when church is over, we can't run you out with cattle prods. People stay in here. They talk. They visit with one another. They're smiling with each other. They're communicating with each other. And what they're doing is they're sending a message that says, I am so glad of what God has done in my life, and I am so glad that he has connected me to the body of Christ here at Spirit Life, and I love it, and I enjoy it so much that I don't even want to go home. I like it. Because you are choosing life. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. How many of you know that the Bible tells us that in the world you shall have tribulation? Aren't you glad that it doesn't stop there? It goes on and says, but be of good cheer, be positive, be happy, be hopeful, be full of faith. Because he said, I have overcome the world. I'm telling you, there's nothing that we face in life that cannot be overcome if we release the power of God that is in us. And I just want to remind somebody today, when you don't think you're able, when you don't think that you can do it, let me just remind you that the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't tell me you can't do it. If God says you can be positive and full of faith and be an overcomer and be more than a conqueror, then you need to say, I can do this through the power of Christ in me. But I love the way it says, it says, count it joy when you go through difficulties. I have to tell you the other day, <clears throat> when they came in and looked at our, our furnace, he said, it's probably 25 years old at least. He said, we can't even get parts for it anymore. And I'm, I'm stealing myself for what he's getting ready to say because I know what's coming. And sure enough, he said, I can't fix it anymore. It's going to have to be replaced. You know what my next, next thought was when he said that? Oh, Lord. How much is this going to cost? That was my first thought. It really was. So I'm just thinking, Lord... I don't know. It just seems like everybody bre everything breaks down at the worst time. And the Lord just spoke to me and he said, that means in the worst moments, I get to rise up and work a miracle and do a work that can't been, be done any other way. And right there in that hallway under my breath, I said, Lord, forgive me for being doubtful. Lord, I'm full of hope. I'm full of faith. I don't know how we're going to pay for this, but I believe that you are going to provide every penny that is needed to meet this need. How many of you ever had a time in your life when you had a need? It might not have been financial. It might have been something else. 
But your initial response was, oh, dear Lord, here it is again. I remember preaching a message to you a couple of years back about the Egyptians and how the Lord spoke to his people, and he said, he said, you will never have to fight against these Egyptians again. Because God said, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I'm going to move them from your life. I mean, you're never going to have to fight these Egyptians again. And then the next week, I preached the follow-up message to that. And there they were. The Egyptians were back again. And I called the name of that message, Oh Lord, it's another Egyptian. I don't know if you remember those two messages or not. But let me tell you something. There have been many times when I thought... I have beat this situation. I have overcome this. I am more than a conqueror. And then wake up the next day and have to say, Oh, Lord, it's another Egyptian. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how many Egyptians the, the enemy sends my way. I'm here to tell him and tell you and tell everybody else. As long as God is on my side, I cannot be defeated because he is with me. Amen. So I can have faith and I can put a smile on my face and, and I can believe and know that whatever needs to be done, it will be done. Count it all joy. Be positive in every situation that you face. Secondly, not only do we have to choose to be positive, positive, but we have to create positive spaces. Now, we're sometimes not very good at this. And how many of you know that we sometimes let negativity and difficult things leak into our space? It just kind of comes from a place that we weren't expecting, and it just kind of leaks in. And the enemy takes that opportunity to discourage us. And you know what we have to learn how to do? We have to learn how to expel the enemy from our space. We have to be able to say, no, no, this is my mind. You can't have control of my mind because God has given me control over my mind. And since God has given me control over my mind... Devil, you have no part to play in what I'm going to think today and what I'm going to feel in my emotions and how I'm going to deal with this situation. You have no role, you have no way to cause me to think anything that is contrary to the Word of God. So this day, I am choosing to believe. I am choosing to have faith. I am choosing to let God clear my space. Have you ever heard the term that people can rent space in your head? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Why are you letting the devil rent space in your head? Create positive spaces. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 20. It says this, Don't be fooled, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So let me ask you this morning, who are you hanging out with? Who are, who are you in close proximity to that is renting space in your head? It may be a neighbor, it may be a work uh, associate, it could be a spouse, it could be someone else. But why are you allowing them to live rent-free in your head? You say, well, the only way that I can get rid of that person is to divorce them. No, 
No, you can ignore them. How many of you know that you can ignore them? You know, sometimes you just have to learn how to let it go in one ear and come out the other and not find a place to land in your mind. We have to create positive spaces. We have to sometimes stay away from people who would ruin the good things that have been developed in our lives. Let me just tell you that, you know, if, if you have a tendency to want to drink and get drunk, then you don't need to hang around people who enjoy drinking and getting drunk. Can I, am, am I okay today? You going to be all right? Just put your seatbelts on. See, the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So why would you even open the door for that kind of thing? You know, maybe you like to hear an occasional dirty joke. It, it makes you chuckle a little bit. It makes you laugh a little bit. But how many of you know that when those things get in your mind and in your spirit, it will cause you to doubt and be discouraged and frustrated, so don't listen to it. You say, well, how do you do it? Sometimes you can't help it. Yeah, there's a way to help it. You can say to that person, listen, I don't really want to hear that. You know, if you want to tell that person down there, go ahead and tell them, but I'm not going to listen to it. Well, I'm going to tell it anyway. Well, I'll see you later. I'm going to get a hot dog. I, I, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to hear that. I'm not going to hang out in that. You say, well, now, now, pastor, how can I win people to Jesus if I don't? Jesus did. He went to the houses of sinners. He did. But when he went, he went with power and authority flowing through him. And he went to win them to the cause, to Christ. He went to see their lives changed. He did not go in and think, I wonder what they're drinking tonight. I think I'll... I think I'll have one too. I, I think if it's okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead and roll one of those little uh, tiny cigarettes as well and see what, see what it makes, you know, in, in my life. I, I, I think, oh, I hear a funny joke being told over here. It's a little off color, but I'm Jesus. I can handle it. I'll just go over there and listen to it. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm saying we have to create places of positive space in our lives. My wife has always made sure that our home is a beautiful, clean, decorated home. We have scriptures on the wall almost in every room so that nowhere, no matter where we are, we're walking in. And, and we don't have anything on our wall that says, oh, you know, crap or whatever. We don't have anything <laughs> like that on our walls. Nothing like that. We don't, we don't have any Bud Light signs in our house, none whatsoever. We don't have anything like that in there. We have Scripture on our walls. We are prepared to accept every day of our lives the promises and the Word of God as it flows from our, our positive space into our lives. You say, we don't, my garage, I don't have any pictures of pinup girls in there. I don't have anything like that. You know, why? Because we have decided to create positive spaces in our lives. I've got grandchildren that ride with me occasionally in my car. 
and they'll play a song on the radio or they'll play a song on there and I hear something, I'll say, does your mother allow you to listen to that? And they will look at me and I can tell by the look on their face that if mama were here, that phone would be playing something different. So what do you do? Well, they're grandkids. It's cool. I'm Pops. I, she's Grammy. We want them to like hanging out with us. So, you know, it's okay if, if they can sing a song every now and then that just asks the question, whose bed has your boots been under and all that kind of stuff. It, it's like, I'm not going to allow it in my car because that is a positive, holy space. You say, Pastor, you're just, you, you just, wrong today no i'm not wrong i'm telling you we've got to create positive space proverbs 13 and 20 says whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm let me tell you something you're not going to see this pastor being the companion of fools when i know that they can do harm to me and my reputation now, I've told you this before. It's nothing new. Some of you are new to the church, so you might as well hear this. I'm very careful. I try my best to protect my reputation because if, if, if I don't keep my reputation, then I can't minister to you in times when you need to be ministered to. I don't drive women around in my car unless it's Donna or unless she's with me. You say, well, my, car, my, my tire's flat. I need you to take me down. This pastor not going to be driving around town with another lady in his car. Why? Is it sinful? It affects my reputation. It affects somebody. See, had the other day, I just, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter where you are, there's somebody there that is watching you. The other day, somebody asked me, they said, Pastor, I saw a red Ford Explorer pulled over on the side of the road, and there's a cop behind it with the lights a-going. Was that you? And I said, as a matter of fact, it was. <laughs> I said, there was some guy behind me about to push me off of the road, and I sped up a little bit to get over so that he could go by. And the police officer in Mount Washington pulled me over. When he hit the lights, I started laughing. I did, because I thought he got him. He got that dummy. Thank God somebody's going to pull that dummy over. But that dummy didn't get pulled over. This guy got pulled over. And when that police officer came up to my window, I rolled it down. I already had my license and my, and, and my registration, everything ready. And I just looked out and I looked at him and I said, you're kidding, right? And he just kind of laughed. I said, you didn't see that guy about to push me off the road? And he said, I saw it. And there was just like 30 seconds of silence because I'm debating, okay, how far do I take this? Because I don't want to end up in jail and I don't want to pay a ticket if I don't have to. And the police officer said, I saw it. He said, and I pulled the wrong guy over. I said, praise God, there are some sane people in this world. He said, he said go on. He said, you're all right. He said, just don't speed in the future. And I, and I started to tell him, don't pull me over in the future. <laughs> but I didn't. 
But here's the whole point of that dumb story that I just told you. Is Lee saw me sitting on the side of the road with the lights going. Is that you, Pastor? It was me. You know, the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Uh, you better watch what fools you're hanging around with. You need to get you some wise people, some smart people, some people who are filled with the Holy Ghost and fire who can speak life into you and hang out with them. Somebody say amen or oh me. Now listen here, it, it's, it's not just the, the physical aspect, but it's, it's here, it's the mind. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. So what am I telling you? If you want to live a positive life, you've got to create positive space so that good things can be there. Next, we have to learn how to identify positive purposes. Now, how many of you know that you belong to the Lord? He created you for a purpose. But sometimes it's true that we don't like the purpose for which we were created. Because sometimes God calls us to do things that are not enjoyable for the saints of God. Think about all the many missionaries around the world that live every day of their life in harm's way. Think about all the missionaries right now who are ministering in Israel and in Palestine and all of those areas. People out there trying to share the love of Jesus Christ, not knowing from one minute to the next whether or not they're going to be able, even able to live to tell about it. Think about that. You say, well, God would never have somebody. Oh, don't, don't tell me that. People have been martyred and have died for the gospel and for the spread of the gospel for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it was their purpose in life is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that souls can be won with no promise that they would have a long life or a life of prosperity. I know missionaries who have lived from day to day at times without any food in the house at all, without any electricity in the house that they were living in, without anything to call their own, but they were convinced that God had called them to that time and that season, and they were going to fulfill what God had called them to do. So what is the purpose? Did you ever ask yourself when you were suffering, God, why? Are you allowing this in my life? Why do I have to go through this? Why is this such a struggle for me? Why? Now, sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's because of choices that we've made. Sometimes we've thought things and done things and made decisions that there was no way it was going to bring anything good into our lives. It was only going to bring difficulty into our lives. And so we made choices that brought difficulty in. But sometimes God just allows us to suffer 
so that His will and His glory can be seen through our lives. It's true. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know. That's not what I hear on TBN. I don't care what you hear on TBN. What I care about is what does the book say? He said, well, you mean God sometimes allows us to suffer? Well, sure he does. Listen to this. In John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, well, I'm sorry, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things, good and bad, we could insert there, good and bad, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his what? Purpose. So we know that he is working a purpose through our lives. You say, well, pastor, you're going to have to give me an example from Scripture of somebody who suffered in the will of God. Thank you. I'll do that. John chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. Let me just stop and pause and ask you. Who creates humans? Who creates mankind? God is always the creator. He may use your DNA he may use all that, but God is the creator. He knows that child when it is conceived in the mother's womb. True. He said, so he's passed by, saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? Then he was born blind. And Jesus answered, and he said, It was not this man that sinned or his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God allowed a blind child to live his life so that at some moment in the future, Jesus could come by and heal those blind eyes so that others would say, wow, if God can do that for him, just think about what God can do for me. Listen, you may be suffering today, you may be going through difficulty, you may be having hardships in your life, but let me just tell you that God can use you and He can work His will in your life in such a way that people will be blessed and their faith will be built through you and because of you. If you will just let God beat God and you not demand that you have your way, God will use you. And then finally today, and this is exciting to me. This is my last point. But don't, but don't start playing anything yet because I'm not done preaching. <coughs> I'm, I'm just telling you, you can start getting ready. Here's the point that I want you to get. We've got to learn how to connect God's promises to God's pleasure. How many of you know that God loves you? How many of you know that God wants to bless you? Have you ever seen that, that meme on Facebook? There's this big old uh, frying pan or whatever, and there's like 125 eggs being fried in it, something like that. And underneath it, it says something like, when Grandma found out that you haven't eaten in a while, and it's just full of eggs. How many of you know that grandmothers love to take care of their grandchildren? I mean, if they're hungry, it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the night. Grandma will just slide her way out of bed and go to the kitchen, start frying whatever needs to be fried or done, because if that kid's hungry, bless God, we're going to make sure that they have something in their belly so that they won't be hungry any longer. 
And I saw that not long ago, and I thought about that and connected it to this. Do you know that every time God releases a promise into your life, that he is just thrilled to death that you're being blessed and he was able to be the source of it? Do you know that God loves you that much? That he'd be willing to do whatever needs to be done? Said, yeah, but what if he doesn't have that resource handy? Oh, you're talking about a God who is able to call those things that are not as though they were. It's no problem for God. He is able. Look at the scripture. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. It says this. Now, this follows him talking about birds that never have to take care of themselves wildflowers that never have to toil, spin, do anything of that nature. He, he, he's talking about that. He's talking about putting the kingdom of God first because if you put the kingdom of God first, then all the other things will be added unto you. And then here's what he says in verse 32. He says, fear not, don't be afraid, that means, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. Look at your neighbor and say, good pleasure. To give you the kingdom. Uh, he Listen, he ain't just giving you a lollipop. He's not giving you just a piece of bread. It says that he is giving you the kingdom. Whatever is available in the kingdom is yours in Jesus' name, and God delights in being able to bless you. Ah, you, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Because if you were hearing what I'm saying, somebody would shout and say, Praise God, God loves to bless me. Let me tell you, it is His pleasure to bless His people. Oh, He loves it. He smiles. Uh, listen to this quote that I saw. It says, it says, Sharing His kingdom with us pleases God. He is excited. He is delighted. He is thrilled. He is even jubilant when we partake of his goodness. Wanda made me a banana pudding, and she brought it to me and said, Pastor, I made this banana pudding for you. Have some. I looked at it and said, well, thank you, Wanda, but I don't think I'm going to partake of that. I appreciate all your willingness to do it for me, but I, I, I don't believe I'm going to have any banana pudding today. How many of you think this pastor would ever say that in this <laughs> lifetime? They say, I thought you were diabetic, pastor. I'm type 2 diabetic. I keep it well under control. I would say, God, I'm going to eat this banana pudding. I'm asking you in Jesus' name, take all the carbs out of it so that when I eat it, I'm going to live. I'm going to be all right. You, you know why I would eat that banana pudding? I might not eat it all at one time. You understand that, right? But I'd, I would partake of that banana pudding because I would know that my, my, my purpose in life is to be a blessing to people. And if she made it, specifically for me, then she did it so that I could be blessed. Why would I not in turn bless her back by participating in the gift that she brought me? And yet God says, I'm going to bless you. Just whatever's in the kingdom, it's yours. Whatever you need in my kingdom, I've got more than enough. I'll bless you right now if you'll just take it. 
Some of you right now, you've been fighting the blessing of God because it doesn't look like what you thought it ought to look like. But listen, let me tell you, God's blessings will always be good for you. It will always be exactly what you need. And if it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, just know that He has His best blessing in store for you. And you can take it and receive it in Jesus' name. Somebody come and help me. You know what I'd like to do? I, I don't know. Can you play this? What's that, what's that one song that you sang? The very first one. Yeah, I want to do that one again. Can we do that? Can we do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? You can do it? Praise God. Hallelujah. You know why I want to do this? Because we're getting close to Thanksgiving and some of us just need to do a checkup from the neck up and eliminate some stinking thinking that is accumulated in our minds. We need to release the goodness of God. We need to worship Him. We need to be thankful and full of gra gratitude. We, we need to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless His holy name. Are you guys about ready? Don't start yet. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask everybody who's feeling positive today, feeling good about life, feeling like God has been good to you, I want you to stand up with me right now. And if you really feel like God has been good to you, or if you're still waiting for God's blessings to be lavished upon you, I want you to join us, but I, I want everybody to come right down here this morning, and I want you to stand right up here in this altar service together. You say, why do we have to do that? Oh, because there's power in unity. When there's unity in the body of Christ, that's where he pronounces his blessing. Now, I just want you to come down here, and when they start singing this song, here's what I want you to do. Here, here's, what I, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to do this. I want, you say, well, I, I'm not good at singing. I, I don't have a rhythm. I don't, I don't have this, that, or the other. I want you to clap your hands. The Bible says clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I want you to worship. I want you to praise. I want you to give glory. You say, well, I don't know it. Well, learn it. But let's transition our thinking away from the negative. And to the positive. Now, are you ready? No. Let's go. We're waiting on Andrew. Where's Andrew? There he is. There he is. Somebody wake Andrew up. <laughs> Taking a nap again while I was preaching. <laughs> ha ha, we caught you. Amen. Everybody, thank God for Andrew real quick. Are you ready? Put them together. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. 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 The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Are you breathing today? Give him praise one more time. Give him praise one more time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, when you leave this house today, don't just leave and go back into your old world. Don't go in and put on that old negative jacket anymore. You can choose to be positive, and you can start right now. You can create positive spaces in your life. You can do those things. So do you promise me that you'll do that this week? That you'll have a positive, God-filled, glorified week that will bring praise to Jesus. Amen? Amen. As you're dismissed this morning, find a few people and say, man, I don't, I'm glad I came to church today. Can't wait till next week. God bless you. God bless you.